Uh, can I confess something to you this morning to start? Is that all right? Uh, this preaching Christmas has felt very daunting to me. Uh, it's uh, the most heard sermons. Like I said last night, you've, you typically hear Christmas sermons every December, every year. Um, and so you guys are the experts on Christmas. <laughs> and I think this has felt very daunting and, and a little overwhelming. What do I say about Christmas that hasn't been said? I mean, how many Christmas songs are there? How many Christmas sermons? How many Christmas devotionals and Christmas everything is out there? There is more content about Christmas. Uh, what do I, what new and creative thing could I even say this morning? And as I thought about that this morning, as I thought about that preaching Christmas this week, I was reminded of a few truths. Preaching God's word is not about saying something new. Preaching God's word is not about saying something creative, even. It'd be, it'd be nice, uh, but that's not exactly what it's about. Uh, preaching God's word is about being reminded of the gospel, being reminded of the good news, uh, and that's what Christmas is about. We are forgetful. We are distracted. We are consumed with all sorts of things, and sometimes it's kids, and sometimes it's jobs, and sometimes it's all sorts of stuff. Um, but we come together every week, to hear the word preached because we're forgetful, <laughs> because we veer, because we, we go all sorts of directions. And so I was reminded of the passage in Mark 4 where Jesus says, he's telling a parable, and Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus is not giving an agriculture lesson, but he's using something that they understood to connect the point of the kingdom. That a farmer scatters the seed and he knows that if he does that, what happens? Plants grow. And eventually some plants, if you water them and you don't keep the bugs away and all that sort of stuff, they produce grain and then you harvest it and then you eat it and you do it again. And that's what he says the kingdom of God is like. Jesus said scattering seed is the word of God, right? And so this morning I'm a seed scatterer who knows not how it produces fruit, but God's word produces fruit. And so we're going to read the Christmas story this morning. I'm going to offer a few thoughts on it and I hope we're just more than anything, we're reminded of the good news, that Jesus came to save us from our sins. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. I'm running slides and reading, so just, if I get behind, just, okay. I got it, I got it. Uh, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Let me read it again. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Let me pray. God, I pray this morning that as we remember um, your coming, we remember all that you did um, and the way that you did it. God, help us to know the why. God, help us to know the reason, which is to bring good news of great joy for all the people. God, that's for us. It's for our family. It's for our friends. It's for our enemies. It's for those that aren't like us. Those that are not in this room today, God, the good news of great joy is for all the people. And so I pray this morning that we would be reminded of it. We would be like the shepherds and we would go and proclaim the good news of great joy to all the people. God, and that uh, you would be present in our lives. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right, let's look. Let's look at it verse by verse. In verse 1, he says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. It's a Roman ruler, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. It says, in those days, what's he referring to? We, we talked about it last night in Luke chapter 1, all the events that led up to this moment. The days that happened in chapter 1, remember the events. The angel comes uh, to Zechariah and Elizabeth and says, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And Zechariah doubts, and he's mute for nine months, which Maybe his wife really wasn't that mad about. I don't know. In those days, an angel comes to Mary and says, you are highly favored and you will bear a son. And she tells him, you will call his name Emmanuel. Right? The, the angel then comes to Joseph. And Joseph didn't believe Mary. He was going to quietly divorce her, right? But he, he, the angel comes to Joseph and confirms to him this news and tells him that you're going to call him Jesus, which means Savior. And these are those days that these events happen. Mary is waiting for the time to be fulfilled. She knows she's pregnant. She knows it's getting close. And in those days, it says, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, right? What's he doing, right? 
He wants their money, right? He's counting them so he can tax them so that he can do all the things, right? It seems very simple, very random. But we should read this as Christians recognizing that it's God orchestrating world events. God is orchestrating decrees from Roman rulers to make sure that Mary is in Bethlehem. She has to go back to where um, Joseph is from. This reminds us of Psalm 21.1. It says this, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. I love this this passage, right? Because it's not Caesar who's in control of the story. It's not Caesar who's writing the story. It's not the Democrats or the Republicans writing our story. God is in control. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it wherever he will. God is bigger than any political force, any Roman decree, right? And he's orchestrating events so that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, as was prophesied in Micah 5.2 that we looked at last week. Now, I, don't, I thought about this week. Does, did Mary and Joseph know this? Did they see this happening in front of them and go, oh, yeah, we're going to have the Messiah. Oh, yeah, that was going to happen in Bethlehem, but we're in Nazareth, right? I don't know if they, they thought about this on that journey or not, but they didn't have a choice. They were commanded by the king to go, and so they went. Look at verse 4. It says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Mary and Joseph are in uh, northern Israel, a part called Galilee, and a town called Nazareth. Uh, and today, if you look it up on Google Maps, you can drive it in a couple hours, all right? Not a big deal. Mary and Joseph, this was a 90-mile journey, probably by foot, could have been by donkey. I don't know, that the, I don't remember if the scripture says or if we just seen that in the, or have that in the pictures, I don't remember. But, but this is probably a four-day journey. Pregnant, teenage Mary with her soon-to-be husband, not yet husband, who's, there's a lot of social shame there, and they have to go on a four-day journey so they can go be taxed. (laughs) This is not ideal circumstances for them in any way, but Bethlehem is where Joseph is from. It's where his lineage is from. He's of the line of David, and remember Bethlehem is the place where David was anointed as the king of Israel. And now the newly anointed Messiah is going to be born as savior of the world. Right? This is important that even though Joseph is not the father, right? God is the father and Mary is the mother, right? But, but in, it was prophesied that the, that the Messiah would be of the house of David, right? And so Jesus is going to grow up in the house of Joseph, who is in the line of David. And so it's important they go back to Bethlehem. Look at verse 6. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. This is while they were there. Uh, it would seem at first glance reading the story, this is just bad luck. This is just, you know, poor circumstances. Man, that really stinks. Had to give birth in Bethlehem, right? Their hospital is, right? 
No, like, that, that's kind of what it seems like when we read the story, right? It seems like this is political, and no. I hope you can see that God is orchestrating so much here. It was in the course of their time in Bethlehem, and we have no idea how long that was, and we don't know. But they're there, and while they're there, Luke writes, and she gave birth, right? I don't know if you've ever been uh, around childbirth. That is not a good description, all right? There's a lot more to it than, and she gave birth, right? Um, I've been around it a few times now, and that is not how I would write that. And we filled in a lot of blanks in our head through the years about what Mary went through and what that would have been like. And I, I don't know, right? I'm guessing Luke had not been around childbirth, or he probably wouldn't have described it. And she gave birth, real simple. It's not real simple. And it's not real simple when you're in a, probably a cave or some sort of lean-to. And it's not real simple when all you have is a stone dugout thing to put your baby in. And it's not real simple when you're not by your mom. And it's not real simple when you're a teenager and you've never done this before. And it's not real simple. And it's not real simple when there's no hospital and ultrasound and IV or whatever they do in the back that makes you not feel anything. I forget what it's called right now. Uh, it's not real simple Luke describes it real simple. And she gave birth because there was no room for them in the end. Every single one of the circumstances around this birth are, humble is not even the right word, probably pitiful is the right word, right? I think about our birth of our kids and we had this awesome hotel, uh, hospital room and nurses at, at our disposal and shots and medicine and care and all this stuff and everything about this is pitiful compared to that, right? And this is the king of the universe? This is the Messiah? This is the ruler whose kingdom will never end as we read about last week? This is the savior of the world? This is the one who's going to crush the serpent's head? This is the one coming to proclaim good news? This is the anointed one of God. He's coming in a manger. He's coming in a lean-to in Bethlehem, right? This makes no sense at all, right? It's pitiful. It's pitiful. It seems just to be bad timing. And another poor Jewish child born into very difficult circumstances. But God is always up to much more than meets the eye. Look at verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The Messiah is born, and it made no ripple effects at all. So the angel sends, is not some king who's born in a palace, and all, they send out all these messengers to go tell everyone, the new king is here, the prince is here. Right? There's no ripple effect at all in the earthly world. And so God sends the angels, and he sends them uh, to the shepherds. It says, who were nearby in the fields. And, and the shepherds, I don't know if they'd ever seen an angel before. I've never seen an angel before. But every time it happens in Scripture, it happened to Joseph, it happened to Mary, it happened to Zechariah recently. What does it do? 
It doesn't bring good, great joy. It brings great fear, right? So I can only imagine what we would do if we were to see an angel, right? We fall down. We are deathly afraid. I can understand why they're full of fear. I think they're probably going, oh no, what did we do? What is so bad that God would have to send an angel to tell us, right? He couldn't just send one of the priests. Couldn't just send my mom, right? Like, no, he sends an angel and they're thinking, oh no, what is wrong? Oh God, what have we done, right? There's fear. But what does the angel say to the shepherds? The most ironic statement in all of scripture, fear not, right? It's like... Telling my kids not to be afraid of like, something they should be afraid of, right? Don't be scared. Well, yeah, I know they should be scared, right? He says, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. The, the angels are there as messengers to proclaim this good news to all the people. And it happens to be the shepherds first. Now, I had this aha moment this week. And just let me geek out for a second, and then we'll move on, okay? All right? The word angel, this is, I don't know. No one else is going to care. But my dad was excited when I told him. English, the word is angel. In Greek, the word is angelos, angelos, however you pronounce it. In English, the word for good news is you, angel, eon, you, angelion, right? What do angels do? They proclaim good news, right? It's literally in their name. And what do we do as Christians? Look at the word at the bottom, evangelism, right? What do you see? What word do you see in the middle? Angel, right? It means what? That we go and share good news. I had this, duh, the angels are going, we're angels and we're here to angel you, right? That's basically what they're saying (laughs) in Greek. Okay, I'm done geeking out about this. I just never had seen the word angel in evangelism before this week. And I don't know why the shepherds are the first ones that the angels come to and share this good news. Because that's what angels do. They share good news. I don't know why. I got no real great reason besides that this good news of great joy is for who? All the people. It's not for kings. Well, it is for kings. It's not just for kings. It's not just for those in power. No, it's for the lowliest of the lowly, those who are literally having to watch sheep. It's like those, you know, it's, it's, it's the bottom of the barrel, right? And they're the first ones that get told this news. It's a picture for us that the good news, that this grace that we talk about with the kids, it's for every person. Jesus came not just for you, He didn't just come for me. He didn't just come for those of us who got our lives put a little bit together. He didn't just come for the middle class or the upper class or the lower class. He didn't come for white, black, Mexican. He didn't just come for any of that. Who did he come for? To bring good news of great joy for all the people. To move from great fear to great joy requires the good news. The shepherds move from great fear great joy because they hear the good news. The Messiah has been born, and it's true in our lives. For us to move from great fear, fear of man, fear of life, fear of death, fear of anything, to great joy, satisfaction in Christ, purpose, meaning, to move from that, what does it take? It 
hearing the good news, moving from death to life. And so Christians, we must be euangelioning, right? We must be telling the good news, right? The message we have, the, the thing we have experienced is, is too good to hold to ourselves. It's too good to just say this is just about me. No, this is what we do. It's just like the angels. Let's keep going. Verse 11. They shared the news. I didn't even get to the message. Here they said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The first verse, man, there's so many key words that are recalling uh, uh, Old Testament prophecy for prophecy. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Every single one of these is a, is a hint, is, a, is a, like a, a clanging bell sounding off our Bible reading skills to go, this is the Messiah. This is who has been talked about, that there would be one who is born of woman. There'd be one who is uh, of the line of David. There would be one who is a savior for his people. There is one who will be the Messiah, the Christ, and he will be Lord. He will be the son of God. Right? They, what the message that she, the angels are proclaiming is everything that God said was going to happen, it's happening right now. Now, I don't know if this had happened before, but he, the angel gives them a sign. Right? He says, I know you probably don't believe me, so let me give you a little bit of stuff you can verify. And he gives them a sign, right? Uh, I keep saying he, she, I don't know, I don't know what angels, it doesn't matter. Um, the angel gives them a sign, and the angel says that you should look for this. And he gives them something that they should look for that's unexpected. Not, hey, you're going to find a family eating dinner and eating some roast lamb, right? That's not the sign, because they would have found that all over Bethlehem, right? He says, you will find a baby, okay, not that uncommon, wrapped in swaddling clothes, a little less uncommon, lying in a manger, a feeding trough for sheep, made of stone or something. Now that's, that's unique, right? This is not a common sight. And so the, what do the shepherds do? Look at verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I don't know what you would have done if you were a shepherd. I don't. I think I would have stood there in awe and in amazement for a little bit. I, I may have not believed. I don't know if I would have believed. I don't know, right? But we know what they did. They said, let's go make sure this is real, right? Like, I think there's a little bit of doubt in their mind. They're going, did you see that? Like, did you see that? Did, did we all just hear that? Let's go see if this really is true, and so they go, they go looking for a baby in a manger. 
I think they really believed it. It was true. I think they really believed that this was happening, that God really was sending salvation for Israel and sending salvation for all the people, and they wanted to go and see this baby, right? And what did they find? They found Mary, little teenage Mary, probably scared to death. Found Joseph doing the best he could with the circumstances. And they found the Savior of the world laying in a feeding trough. They went from glory and angels filling the sky and awe and amazement to the most humble, pitiful, beautiful scene that could be imagined. It says that they found the baby. The Jews didn't name their babies for eight days. They didn't even know what his name was yet. Shepherds not have known his name for a long time. They knew this was going to be the Messiah. They didn't know what he was called. They didn't know his name. That hadn't come yet. They knew that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Emmanuel, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, all the things the Old Testament had prophesied that he would be called. The shepherds don't know all the details that he's going to be called Jesus. They don't know all that. They don't know his name yet. They don't know him personally. But what a privilege for them to get to be the first ones to see this scene. Look at verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Just as it had been done to them that the, God had sent an angel, a messenger, a proclaimer of good news to tell them. Now, what do they do? They leave and they can't help but go and tell other people. They can't help but go and uh, proclaim what they just heard. And so, I, I don't know if this is, I picture this at night for some reason. I, I don't think it probably was. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been people to talk to. Uh, but they go about and they start telling people. They're going, hey, listen, I know this is crazy, but there was these angels, and they told us the Messiah's here, and it's this baby over here, oh, you know, on the west side of town, right? In the manger, you know, where, you know what I'm talking about? And they don't know what to do but tell the truth. They're not making this up. This is not a believable story. But they go and they tell. They tell this good news that the Messiah is here. And in verse 18, I get the impression that there's kind of a mixed reaction, right? As there ought to be when people say they've seen angels, right? We ought to be a little bit go, uh, let's make sure this is really from God. Let's make sure this really is real. And there's a little bit of mixed reaction. Uh, I think it's not a stretch to say some of them thought the shepherds were crazy. Some heard this news and thought, there's no way those shepherds are just out there in the fields watching sheep. There's something else going on out there, right? And I think some, though, did believe. I don't think it's a stretch for us in the text to say that some believed. And that's no different today. We can proclaim this good news. The message of Christmas has been proclaimed for thousands of years. The message of good news of great joy that the Messiah has come to save us. And if we'll place our faith in him, we can be saved. And some hear that and scoff and go, man, those Christians are in that room. They're, they're doing way more than just 
singing and preaching. There's something else going on there. They're crazy. Right? But some hear it and some believe it. Right? Our reason for sharing the good news is twofold, just like the shepherds. One, it's true. All they were doing was going and telling the truth of what they had seen, what they had experienced. So we should tell this good news because it's true. But number two, we should tell it because people will believe. Because it's the only way for people to believe in Christ and be saved. is for them to hear the good news of great joy. That you can't find satisfaction in anything else. You can't find purpose and meaning in anything else. The only place that you'll ever find that is in Jesus Christ. And until you repent of your sins and turn to him in faith, you can't have it. You can look for it in all the world, but you'll never find it. Some will hear that message and they will believe. Some will wonder at what we proclaim to them. And that's okay. When the, when the Bible tells stories, we're meant to learn from them. We're meant to learn from the characters in the story. What are we meant to learn from Mary in this story? We're meant to be like her, right? We're meant to be like her, and we're to believe God at his word. We're to believe him, and we're to follow him in faith, whether it makes sense or not. We're to learn to walk even if our circumstances are less than ideal. Mary's were, Mary's were pitiful, her circumstances, but she believed God and she walked with him. What are we meant to learn from the angels? Well, one, we're meant to be like the angels and not in the sense of wings and glory and all that sort of stuff. That's not what I'm saying. No, we're to be bearers of good news, messengers of the hope and the joy that we have been given. Right? We're to proclaim this good news and we're to give glory to God in the highest. Right? We're to proclaim uh, this good news and we are to worship him for who he really is. What are we meant to learn from the shepherds? We're meant to learn grace. They didn't deserve to be told this news. They were nobody. God just showed up and told them. What an amazing thing that you and I can be sons of the God of the universe because we've placed our faith in Jesus. We don't deserve that. We're a bunch of jacked up, broken people who, who veer towards sin any chance we can in our heart of hearts. But God shows us grace, right? That's what we're meant to learn from the shepherds. And when that's filled our hearts, then it'll overflow in telling other people about it, right? If there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus, man, I would, what a great day to put your faith in him. It's Christmas Day. That'd be easy to remember. I couldn't tell you the day I was saved. Don't know the date, but if you do it on Christmas, you'll always remember, right? You'll always remember that the day that Christ came, it's the day that Christ came into your heart. If you don't know Jesus, put your faith in him, and he will save you. Let me pray. God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for the good news of great joy. God, I thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. God, we, we've been reminded of it this morning, and I pray that we would, it would overflow in worship this week. We love you. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.